Chatwin. What is going on, fellow chatters? Today on the show, I get a chance to chat with sports broadcaster Arda Okal. We chat about some of his highlights from the MSG Network and how he got involved in doing esports play-by-play. The coffee that is along for the ride today is the salted caramel mocha from Starbucks. And now, here is Arda Okal. Well, thanks for sitting down and having a little chat with me, Arda. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yourself, Jason? Uh, I'm actually pretty good, though it, it is rainy up here in Toronto. But, uh, you know, rain, snow, which whatever you prefer. <laughs> well, you're sending it down here to New York, too, so you're not alone. <laughs> well, I, yeah, better than last week when it came up from the States, right? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so you're starting your third year at MSG Network. Has it been fun getting back into doing hockey highlights? Yeah, hockey in general, to be honest with you. I missed it. I definitely did. Uh, I grew up uh, to basically my two big, I guess I would say I had three big passions growing up. It was hockey, video games, professional wrestling. And uh, I decided to pursue the pro wrestling route first. And basically, when I decide to pursue something, I want to give it my 100% effort and make sure that that's my goal. And so that's what I did with wrestling. I, I had a great time doing it. I met a lot of great people and, and, and some lasting friendships that I still have today. Uh, but I'm definitely glad that that chapter is closed and I moved on to uh, other things. And I will say that in pursuing pro wrestling, I did a lot of non-pro wrestling stuff because that was the big advice I would always get is if you want to work in pro wrestling, if you want to work for WWE, get experience outside of WWE. So that's where I started to do a lot of lifestyle programs, hosting talk shows and and doing a lot of hockey as well. So that's where I got into the OHL and the AHL uh, and finally the NHL. So uh, I had a lot of experience under my belt in hockey, even after my pro wrestling chapter closed. And so that's why I felt like it was just a natural transition to get back into hockey. Uh, and when the NA, when the MSG Networks opportunity came up, uh, I was definitely ready for it because I had a lot of hockey experience. And, and lucky I did because we did two seasons of the MSG Hockey Show, which were great. And now I'm doing different sort of contributions across the networks and across different broadcasts. So I'm very excited for it. Yeah, that, that uh, MSG 150 highlight package is kind of fun. You kind of throw in, see how many highlights you can get in within 150 seconds. And it relates to to the anniversary too. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I really enjoy doing that. And it's also on the Rangers broadcasts uh, and the Knicks broadcast actually. So I'm going to be doing them on the last season, my first few MSG 150 segments that I did last year were actually on Knicks broadcasts. So uh, it was really cool to to do a little basketball talk and basketball highlights uh, that I'd, I hadn't done uh, highlight packs since my days at the score. So it was really cool to get back into that, you know, flexing that muscle again. Uh, now I'll be doing that again with the Knicks and the Rangers. And then there's something coming up with the Devils uh, that hasn't quite dropped yet, but it's going to drop soon. Mm. So uh, people will be seeing me around. <laughs> so I guess with MSG Network, you get definitely a lot of opportunities in a variety of different uh, avenues and in, in sports. Exactly. And, and I really appreciate that because, you know, it's very it's a it's a different landscape out there right now for a broadcaster, for a content creator. Right. It's the the regional sports network. It's not what it used to be. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, that would be the kind of job that 
no matter what market it was, it was a very, it's still a lucrative job, but it's more lucrative now because of the amount of people who want the jobs versus the salary that it pays. In the 70s and 80s, those were very, very important. Like those were jobs that you could retire off of in a few years. You know, they were very high paying jobs. Uh, and that, that monetary, that monetization structure has shifted now. It's in different areas. I'm not saying that those jobs don't exist, but they're not at those levels necessarily anymore or as many. So, you know, to, 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 to contribute to MSG networks and still have the freedom to go and do other things, uh, is very freeing. And I enjoy that a lot because I'm the kind of guy that loves to have a lot on my plate. Uh, and I'm very happy with the work that I'm doing with MSG. And I'm also very happy with the work that I've been doing with ESPN and, and TRT World and, and with the NHL, with the gaming championships. So, you know, right now I'm in a mode where I'm attacking everything head on and I'm taking a bunch of opportunities in hockey and in esports and, 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 and elsewhere, you know, sports reporting with TRT, for example. Uh, and I'm very proud of it all. And I'm very happy and I can't wait to see, you know, where this all takes me. Yeah. And I think that sort of speaks to what it is in today's world is that. There, there are definitely not the number of jobs that there were back in the 70s and 80s, but it's sort of the jobs you kind of have to be flexible in, in doing what, not necessarily what you love, but what fits in with you. Yeah, well, I mean, I would, I would always tell somebody to go and pursue what they love. I mean, even in the pro wrestling bubble, right? Like anybody who's aspiring to be a pro wrestler, uh, that's a very daunting task, right? I mean, you, you, you've had pro wrestlers on your, yeah. on your show previously, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, they would tell you too, that it's a very difficult grind, uh, for the majority of the time, simply because, uh, you know, it's a very narrow job market for people who can actually do it as a career and make career money at it. It's a little bit better now for people in the independent circuit, but still predominantly the job to get is WWE if you're a professional wrestler yeah. because that's where you stand to make as much money as possible for, for predominantly. I'm not saying that's the only route. We've seen examples of, of, of the opposite, but it's still what people, many people strive to achieve. So uh, with broadcasting, at least there's different avenues that you can choose and different uh, subject matter. And right now, if you are the master of a niche market and you have, say, a thousand or two thousand or three thousand sort of as a core audience, that serves you better than being, uh, you know, the jack of all trades as opposed to a master of none. You know, oh, so yes. it's, it's it's a very different landscape. Well, I think I mean, that's sort of the landscape uh, as far as even like independent podcasters, independent uh, videographers or people who are doing YouTube videos is that if you can find a niche and grow that niche, you're definitely worth more than just putting something out there for a million plus. Exactly. Or attempting to anyway. If you have a million <laughs> yeah. plus, I think you're doing fine well, in podcasts. No, no, no. I meant, I meant just throwing it there to a million plus people and hoping somebody would watch. Right. You're right. You're is right. more what I meant. So back to to MSG Network. Were there uh, is there anything that's been like a highlight for you in the last two or three years? Uh, well, definitely one of the biggest highlights was one of the first highlights. One of the first MSG hockey shows. Uh, we had Cuba Gooding Jr. come on. And it was funny because he came on the show. We didn't know whether he was going to show up or not, uh, but he did. And it was a fantastic segment. It was hilarious. Uh, he was full of energy. And afterwards, we were kind of looking at each other like, 
did we peak so early in this series? Like, how are we going to top this? And so it was kind of a funny moment where we're like, hmm, maybe we would have been better off trying to get Cuba like at the end of the season or something, you know, to build up to it. Well, <laughs> so yeah, it was I a, mean, it, it was a it was a bang off start. Like it was fantastic as a start. It was just like, oh, no, now we have to like, well, we got to like keep 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 this up. And, you know, like it was a great show. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, there was a lot of great moments. There's a lot of freedom. That's what I enjoyed. I, I really liked the creativity to it. I it, it really allowed us to like flex our creative muscles and and have fun. And and that was the that was the whole premise of the show. The whole premise was we're not talking X's and O's. We're having fun. We're having interesting conversations that hockey fans would have, but also we're bringing fun into it. And I think that we did that for two seasons. And I the the, the amount of response that I've gotten that people, you know, haven't seen the show on the air and they've said, you know, we miss it. And, and this part, this segment was funny. That segment was funny. It's very gratifying for me, you know? So it, because I, I, at least we were able to leave an impression on some hockey fans in the New York area, which is great. Well, I think it's important though, that people see that your passion through the TV screen. Um, I mean, it was the same, you know, when you were on the score, you know, you could see that passion that you had for the sports that you were covering. And so it's easy to to sort of become a fan. Yeah, I, I, I always try to uh, surround myself with things that I care about. And, you know, with the score, one of the things that I'm the most proud of, uh, you know, other than Aftermath, which I, I'm so happy it's still on the air because first and foremost, because Jimmy Cordero still gets a paycheck which I'm very happy yes. about, but also because, you know, that was my baby once upon a time. And I'm really happy to see that it's still thriving and it's still um, something that Canadian wrestling fans really enjoy. I, that, I, I take great pride in that. The one uh, another thing I'm really proud of from the score days uh, was the top five. I really enjoyed doing that because I had the freedom to just write it. Uh, it was I thought up in, I, I thought. You know, the score would have updates on like games and whatever at every commercial break. But I thought, well, what about if we did something that was wrestling related at each commercial break and then maybe it would entice people to to look forward to it? And so I thought, well, maybe we could do a, a top five countdown each raw. So throughout raw, it would be, hey, I'm setting the table. Here's my top five. And then each commercial break or each two commercial breaks, there would be a, here's number five, here's number four is number three. And I thought that it would be fun that it, like either it'd be informative or interesting or opinionated and either way people will gravitate to it. And, and they did. Uh, I got a lot of positive response from that, including from some former wrestlers that live in Canada and that were watching. So it was, uh, that one I'm very proud of too. And I am glad that I was able to do it. That sounds good. Now, as a, as a broadcaster, I've always wanted to ask this question. Is it hard turning off that fan switch when you're doing highlights? No. Um, well, at first, maybe. But no, actually, it's really funny. Dave Hodge just got asked this. Or either I, wa I was watching an interview with him or he just got asked this on uh, when, he, when he made his return to Hockey Night in Canada. But he said the same thing. He's like, you know, now, once you get paid for it, once it's your job, it's very easy to flip the switch. You know, I grew up a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Yeah. But I'm not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan on MSG networks. T to be honest with you, when I'm on a when I'm on a broadcast, I'm a fan of whatever will 
want people to watch the broadcast. So if that means a close game where people are, you know, uh, on the edge of their seat until the very end of the game, and that means that more eyeballs are watching the broadcast, I, I prefer that because I want more people to be watching, right? I want, yeah. I want the team to be success, uh, the, the team, the ratings to be successful, the team to be successful, the, the station to be successful, right? I want our broadcast and our segments to be successful. So that's what I'm rooting for as an employee, right? I'm a hockey fan in general, of course. I, I, I love the storylines that weave itself in hockey. You know, last season, how could you not be caught up by the whole, you know, Vegas making the finals? That it was fantastic. What a great story in sports, let alone hockey. So, you know, once 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 my work season is over and I can go back to becoming a fan, of course, I'll jump on the Vegas bandwagon because it was such a fascinating story and it was so interesting. Well, even right? last, I mean, well, last year was sort of that unique year where it didn't matter who actually won the Stanley Cup if you weren't a fan of either team because yeah. you got to see Vegas win. And it, I mean, when does that happen when a new team comes on and wins the championship? And then you've got Ovechkin on the other side who has never won the cup. So he gets to win his first cup. So right. As and a then fan, he finally gets yeah. his cup to cement his yeah. legacy. And he goes through the team that had defeated them so many times before in order to get there. Like there's so many. Yeah. And both sides are such compelling storylines. That was one of those years. And then where the you're celebrations like, hey, afterwards yeah. were like the, were the best. <laughs> it was just one of those years where as as a hockey fan and not a fan of either team, it was like, hey, this is actually one of those Stanley Cup finals that I can enjoy. And yeah, not and not be discouraged <laughs> and not be discouraged going, I don't like either either of these teams. At the end of the day, I'm a fan of whatever generates positive interest for the sport of hockey because at the end of the day, if you're not a hockey fan, you wouldn't do the job that I'm doing. And so I love when hockey gets this spotlight. Like, I, I, I enjoy it. I love meeting hockey fans. I love the passion of hockey fans. Even in America, where it's not as big of a concern as it is in Canada, and you could even qualify in certain circles in America, hockey being a niche sport, you know, it's very I, – I love – the, the hockey fans that, that that are in America are very passionate, and many of them are passionate to the level of Canadians in terms of their interest in hockey and their knowledge of hockey. There's there are many I can't tell you how many hockey fans I've met even in in the New York area who are just diehard Devils fans or diehard Ranger fans, and they know so much about their team and the history and even the history of other teams, and it's very interesting to them. So. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I love that and I gravitate to that. Now I want to jump into something else you've been involved in is, is broadcasting eSports. Um, with that yeah. being such a, a, a new, relatively new thing, uh, how did that come about? Well, I've always been a, a fan of video games. I never thought growing up playing Super Mario Brothers and, and uh, NHL 94 that it would actually become... Uh, a competitive ecosystem uh, that is rival rivaling traditional sports in 2018, right? So uh, that growing up, video games were just it's a hobby, it's a fun way to pass time. You play with your friends and family. Maybe you play it on your own if there's a game you really like, whatever. And it's it's just a way to pass time. But now it it's so much different. I mean, I, it was fascinating to me. One of my first assignments. Uh, was covering BlizzCon, which is uh, Blizzard, one of the pub uh, major publishers in video games. They publish World of Warcraft and Overwatch and StarCraft, etc., Hearthstone. And one of the heads of esports was on the ESPN desk with me doing an interview. And she said that 
the company, uh, there's a new way or new paradigm in terms of creating video games. It's not just, is this game fun to play or is this game, uh, you know, is there good artistry in this game? Is the gameplay good? Is the story good? That's not the only concern anymore. Now, at least for Blizzard, one of their biggest concerns is, is this game interesting to watch? So the people not playing the games, is this game interesting to follow? Is this game interesting uh, to be seen as a, as, a, as a means of competition? So that's a whole new ground that uh, video game publishers, especially ones that are looking to create the next big esports title, are thinking about. And so uh, as you know, esports continues to grow, uh, there's, there's definitely opportunities in different titles, uh, whether it's League of Legends or Dota 2, Rocket League. Uh, and I'm very fortunate to uh, get in with the simulator, uh, the sports simulator scene, you know, doing play by play for the NHL gaming championships, which I'm very proud of. Uh, that was on NBC Sports. And in Sportsnet, we did a day. Uh, the Canadian championships were at the, the CBC building, uh, which was a thrill to be at. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. It's uh, very interesting to me because the athletes are so young in esports and they have a whole different uh, set of skills than uh, a traditional athlete. You know, they're sitting down in front of a computer, but there's whole there's, there's different reaction times and there's different mental uh, training that goes into succeeding in esports than does uh, traditional sports. There is overlap, but there's different parts of your brain that are working in order to uh, be a success in those respective realms. So that, that's very interesting to me. Well, yeah, like, as I said, like I caught a bit of the NHL <clears throat> championships on Sportsnet and it, sometimes it was a little bit hard to wrap your head around watching video games, but then if you just sort of let it go and just enjoy the actual competitiveness, it's actually fun to watch. Yeah. May I ask how old you are? Oh, I'm, I'm in my forties. Okay, so that that's the, that's exactly the yeah. thing, right? Like anybody yeah. who's above the age of thirty, right? Yes, <laughs> it's 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 definitely because we grew up in an era where video games were simply a hobby, right? Yeah. But there's a whole generation of people who know esports who were born after the birth of esports or competitive video gaming or gaming being a a billion upon billion dollar industry. So it's it's definitely. Uh, what I'm seeing now is that definitely among the youth, uh, anybody uh, uh, younger than 30 years of age, esports tends to be uh, among their most uh, in, like among their most chosen form of entertainment over anything else. And so uh, that's that's something that older generations are now slowly starting to understand and you're seeing that with investments you know you're seeing a lot of heavy duty billionaires uh, who also own traditional sports teams put money into esports so this is now it's being understood that esports is not just a fad it's here to stay and it has already arrived it's not arriving and so you're noticing that with the, with investments and with viewership and even it's even creeping into traditional television you know uh, overwatch broadcasts on ESPN, us with the ESPN esports desk covering events and, um, you know, with, with E-League and Turner and, 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 and all of this traditional, um, uh, coverage, it, it's definitely here. Well, yeah. And, and my daughter's just starting, my eight year old daughter is just starting to pick up, uh, NBA 2K. <laughs> nice. And so I'm just waiting for the day that she can beat me. She's come close, 
but I mean, you know, I'm not that much of a video gamer. <laughs> it's it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know for sure, for sure. <laughs> Anyways, come to the this time in the the chat where I ask five questions and you give me an answer for each of the questions off the top of your head. What is your favorite? What is your favorite old school video game? Ooh, NHL '94. What? Who are two broadcasters that you would like to go to dinner with? Joe Bowen and Living Living or Dead. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, Howard Cosell would be my next one, I think. Poutine or pizza? Pizza, but poutine. Well, let me qualify this. Pizza is the my answer, but. Poutine is more like a I'm I can't find any good poutine in America. And in most in most cases it doesn't exist. So like for, for, for just based on what's available and New York has fantastic pizza. So Whoa. based on what's available yeah. it has to be pizza. Of course. Of course, depending on where you were in Canada, that might be a different answer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Favorite beer or alcoholic drink? Uh what do I like? I'm uh, Chris Jericho is a guy who drinks. Uh, what does he drink? Like vodka waters? Yes, vodka water. Yeah, like that's his drink. <laughs> so, uh, he, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd say that's. Pro- I, I'm. I. I think you have to acquire a I'd taste say, of I'd that. Say, I'm not really a. To be honest with you, I'm not really a beer guy. I'm not. If if I indulge, I'm not a beer guy much. It's it probably vodka or Captain Morgan. I'd say. Uh, favorite place to pick up a shot of Java. Oh my gosh, not uh let me think. Okay, so we have a Tim Hortons actually in our train station. So, I do not like I don't have the opportunity to miss Tim Hortons, but if it wasn't there, I would go to Tim Hortons like as like a, oh my gosh, I'm back in Canada. Here's my Tim Hortons fix. <laughs> uh so that would be it, but I'm I'm definitely the what's the local establishment uh let's support them guy. Okay, good. Where can we find you on the internet's? Uh, social media is at ArtoCalTV, and I will be streaming at some point in 2019, but you can find all my information, uh, on Twitter. I'll be posting it there. Well, thanks very much for taking time to sit down and chat with me and, uh, have a good day. You too. Thanks for the time. Perfect. I would like to thank ArtoCal for chatting with me and thanks to you for tuning in. And you can contact me on Twitter at Jason Perry. That's at Jason P E R R I E R, and use the hashtag Chance to Chat with if there is someone who you want me to chat with. Until we chat again, I'm out.